Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. I found that video kind of cringeworthy. I don't know if you did. Some of you felt like you were worshiping to it. It was kind of cool, you know. It was like, you know, some of you were really into it. Maybe that was more your era. That was your style, maybe growing up. But for, it was hilarious, of course, but it's also cringeworthy, okay? That, that video makes you cringe a little bit. And so we're entering into this series called Cringeworthy. The Bible says what? Now, each week we're probably going to show a, a funny little different uh, cringeworthy video. So you're going to have to show up to see the different videos that we show. But the idea of this really came about as I've read through the the Bible on several occasions, probably half a dozen, maybe more, where I've just read through the Bible in its entirety, going through the one-year Bible. I love that Bible. It it is uh, one of my favorite ways to do it, a devotional, and uh, it has it all mapped out for me every day. And we go through the whole Bible when you read the one-year Bible. And so I've done that on, on several occasions. And as I've done that, I have come to some passages where I, I, I tense up and I cringe because I know what's about to happen. As I become more familiar with various stories, it, it just makes me tight, makes me a little uneasy, and it literally makes me cringe. You say, how could you say that about the Word of God? Now listen, there are some passages that are very vile in the Scripture. The, the Bible should be rated R. I've told you that. If you read it in its entirety, there are some passages that will be like, whoa. Okay, And some I probably shouldn't even read in here, right? Depending on the context of who's in the room. And we'll give some warnings when we come to some of those types of passages. But there's some that that make you cringe because you just don't understand it. It's like, what in the world? I I don't get this one at all. And and it makes you kind of cringe that way. And then some, it's just the subject matter in and of itself is kind of cringeworthy, not because it's vile or, or graphic, but it's just like, man, that really, that hurts my heart. Or that doesn't make sense for me I understand it, but it it just doesn't make sense that, God, you would do something like this or like that. And and so that's really the genesis of this series, is just reading through the Bible. And so today, I'm going to go to a passage that makes me cringe because the punishment that is given by God just doesn't seem to fit the crime. And literally, when I read this passage and I read these couple verses, it it makes me cringe because I'm like, God, this punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime that was committed. I pick on Jason a lot. This is Jason Dosha right here. Jason, I know where you live, so I can share this. But let's just pretend Jason was, was coming to the gathering today. He picks up his, Jason comes early, helps, and then comes and gets his wonderful bride, Danielle. And they live in Williamson Farms, and he's leaving Williamson Farms. They come up to I-44, and there's a couple little four-way stops or some stop sign scenarios where people kind of stop and go a lot. You know, maybe not really stop it, they roll it. And, and let's just pretend that Jason today didn't come to a full stop. Let's just pretend that he, you would not, I can say this story about Jason because he would never do that, okay? And so we're pretending here, this is a fictional story, but Jason rolls that stop sign. And let's say there's a Mr. Police Officer right there, Mrs. Police Officer, and they pull over Jason immediately to too much uh, of the chagrin of Danielle and, and pulls them over and says, hey, you know what you did? I'm sorry, sir. Sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry, Mr. Mrs. Police Officer. And maybe it's both in that instance, you know? Maybe they're partners. But I'm sorry, Popo. I, I know what I did. I floated that stop sign. I, I know I did not come to a complete stop. I own it. I admit it. That's on me. My bad. And, and what if that police officer said, all right, thank you for admitting that. You're off to jail. You'd be, I mean, Danielle might be happy, but the rest of us would be shocked. would be like, Jay. 
He's going to jail for that. You're like, that doesn't make sense. There was no alcohol involved. There's no collision. There's, there's, there's nothing to that extent. Why in the world is he going to jail over not fully stopping at a stop sign? That doesn't make sense. And then you add to the fact that Jason has a, a pristine driving record. Never once been pulled over in his life. Again, this is a fictional story. And he's never received a ticket. He used to have a motorcycle, so I know there's some things going on in Jason's background, but let's just pretend, okay? You're like, he, I mean, it's just crystal clear. He's a man of great integrity and character when it comes to driving. You'd be like, what in the world is going on? Well, today I'm, I'm talking about a man that was a stand-up guy. He had a stellar reputation. I said pristine driving record. This, this man loved God, followed God, was a leader for God. This man confronted the, the head of Egypt on multiple occasions to say, God's people, you have them as slaves. They ain't supposed to be slaves. They're gonna, they need to leave this place. And he, God used him to perform many miracles. And the people that he even led, he led them to a, a sea that the waters had to split. And, and, and he ushered them through on dry ground. And these people complained every step of the way, and, and God was even going to take them out. And this man said, no, 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 God, I know they're jerks. I know they're hor horrific to me, but don't take them out. Don't strike them dead. For your reputation, God, show grace. This man is Moses. If anyone deserved a pass, you think it would be him for any type of what we would think is, is a crime that he committed that the punishment didn't seem to fit. So here's a couple of verses that when I read them, they make me cringe. Numbers 20, verse 12 says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Then in chapter 27, verse 12, One day the Lord said to Moses, Climb one of the mountains east of the river, and look out over the land I have given the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron. For you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zin. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. Now you might be thinking, John, pastor, these, these don't seem very cringeworthy. I'm telling you, when I come to these passages, I struggle with these verses. I struggle with them. In both of these passages, God basically says, you've done messed up, Moses. And so I'm not letting you lead my people. You're not going to enter yourself into this land I've promised my people. You don't get to enter into the promised land. That's the land that is being referred to in these two chapters, the promised land. Moses is, her, is denied by God entrance into that land. And I have a hard time with that. Why in the world? Would God not let Moses lead these people into this promised land? After all, he was very faithful to God. He was even faithful to the people God entrusted him to lead, even when they didn't deserve his faithfulness. Moses led and, and did the best that he could and led them well. So you might be thinking he must have royally screwed up then. He, he, to deserve that type of punishment, he must have really done messed up. You know what he did? Get this, he hit a rock instead of speak to a rock. He hit it when he was supposed to speak to it. That doesn't seem too bad, right? 
It seems a little, little bit like, so he didn't get to enter the promised land because of that. Well, let's, let's find out how bad it was together. Go to Numbers chapter 20, okay? Let, let's, let's all camp out here for a little bit, and, and we'll move around in, in the Scripture. But I want to start in Numbers chapter 20. I want to give us a little context to what exactly went down. Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. I'll try to give you a little time. If you're, I know a lot of you are using a device. Uh, you, you, you new generational folks picking up a, a phone or tablet, great. You can use an app. Uh, you can use the Word of God that way. Or if you brought a copy of God's Word, Numbers chapter 20. If you don't have those things, they'll be on the screen. If you're online, hey, grab a Bible near you or pull up a different device and find Numbers chapter 20. But I'm going to start in verse 1. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. The sister. Verse 2. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people. They went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Verse 9, so Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. And water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But... The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. So the people were basically complaining again. This was definitely a pattern of God's people. Wah, wah, wah. Every day, basically, okay? After leaving the land where they were slaves, they would complain and complain and complain about, man, it was so much better there. In this instance, they wanted water, which there would have been hundreds of thousands of people, and of course that means lots of animals too, and so they needed a lot of water. This was a real need. This was a big deal. This wasn't made up. It was a real need that they had, a need for water. God says, I've got a solution. Moses, this is what I want you to do. Go speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He went and hit the rock twice. Now, it's obvious that's not obedient, right? If you told your child, if you're a parent, to go do something and they did something different, you would think, wait, that's not what I told you to do. God told Moses something very specifically. Speak. He struck. Now, in Moses' defense... 
just like I can hear my kids coming up with their explanation for why they did something different, I, I can go to Moses' defense. There was another time that something very similar happened, a situation very close to this, yet a little different. But there was a time that God instructed Moses to hit a rock. I want to look at that, Exodus chapter 17. Swipe to the left or flip over to Exodus chapter 17. Let's look at this uh, very similar account to the Israelites needing water. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Again, if you can't find it, can't get there, it will be on the screen for you. Exodus 17, 1. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me, not with drugs, but with rocks. The old-fashioned kind. Verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Okay, Despite the similarities, these two instances are not the same. These are not the same occurrence, okay? They happen on two different occasions because they're at two different locations at two different times. The Exodus passage is closer geographically and chronologically to when Israel left Egypt, and then the Numbers passage is later and closer to Canaan when they enter to the Promised Land. They have a tabernacle where they built and they travel and they proceed through the wilderness as they're wandering because of sin and disobedience before actually entering the Promised Land. So these are two different situations, two different occurrences, but both times needing water. Now, of course, we also see the difference in that God gives a different instruction. The first time God says, hit or strike, Moses obeys. The second time God says, speak, and Moses disobeys. Moses made the choice to hit both times. And God said, because you didn't speak and you hit, before you die or before you enter the promised land, you don't get to. You actually don't get to enter the promised land. The people will that I've set aside will go into that land, but you won't because you didn't trust me to show my holiness. Now, at face value, Moses showed he didn't trust because he didn't do it exactly as God said. Okay, we, we can kind of see that. We know there was disobedience. He did it his own way. Maybe he was stuck thinking God would only do something how he did it in the past. We can be like that, right? It's easy to get stuck in the past and miss that God wants to do something new. Well, God always did it this way, so he's always going to continue to do it that way. And then we miss out. God actually wants to do something different and something new. I would also say I find it interesting that Moses says, must we bring you water from this rock the attention doesn't seem to be on god there does it it seems to be on moses and aaron seems like the glory was maybe not so much pointed towards god and what god was going to do in bringing forth water but that moses and aaron and their role in it but it also seems that maybe moses was fed up with the complaining and maybe he acted more out of a negative headspace than trusting God. He hits the rock twice. 
Even in the Exodus passage, when God says to hit, it, it seems to indicate there's only one strike. There's only one hit. Whatever the case, God was not having it. And in verse 13, God demonstrated his holiness by telling Moses, you're not going to lead the people into the promised land. And that seems harsh. There's no doubt that this was a hugely devastating punishment. But there is some grace in this story. In reality, God could have killed Moses right then and there. You disobeyed. You're a leader. You didn't follow through. You're out. But he didn't do that. God could have said, you're all going to die of thirst. Because all you do is complain. And you've, you've tested me before. And you're complaining again. And Moses didn't obey anyway. And so guess what? None of you are getting water. He didn't do that, did he? God still gave grace. And even though Moses did it wrong... Water came forth. God still allowed the water to be there. There's grace present even in this story. Which as a side note, just because of ministry might be me, me uh, having some sort of what we would call success doesn't mean they're doing it right. And consequences might be done later, by the way. They didn't do it exactly right, but God still allowed grace and allowed water to come. But as I dove into this story, I realized there's a whole lot more to it. There's a bigger picture at play, and I want to show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the great apostle Paul we've talked about many times, but he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 10.1. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. He says, you know the stories. You know about our people and how they had to wander before the promised land. He says, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and that's how the Lord would lead them through the wilderness, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses, okay? Look at verse 3. All of them ate the same spiritual food, which was manna. God provided food for them. They, they were begging for food. God gave manna, this, this food from heaven. Verse 4, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. So Paul lets us know that Jesus is actually the rock in this encounter, which this is mind-blowing. But I believe God was setting us up for Jesus. See, the, there were many Jews were taught that there were supposed to be two messiahs. One messiah was a suffering servant. There were two messiahs. One was a suffering servant. You see it in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? And there's many prophetic passages about a suffering servant. That was to be one messiah. The other messiah was to be a reigning king. Like in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. And so many Jews have been taught there were two messiahs to be expected. But what that fails to realize is that there is one Messiah with two comings or two visits. Okay, And so what we see is that Jesus, he first came as a suffering servant when he was here. Born in a manger. Ultimately what? Struck and crucified on our behalf. Just like the first time God tells the rock to be struck. Our Savior was crucified on our behalf. But the second time Jesus comes, he will be coming to rule and to reign and to usher in an era we have unfettered access to the Lord Almighty where we get to speak to him. 
like the second time God told Moses to speak to the rock for water. Pretty amazing. And on top of that, if you think about it, what does Moses represent? Moses always represents the law. That's how the people received the law. God spoke through Moses, gave the law to his people through Moses. As a Christian, we know that ultimately observing the law doesn't save us. In fact, as I explained last week, keeping the law doesn't make us right with God and will never make us right with God. The law isn't good enough to usher us into a promised land. The law falls short. Uh, uh, just to highlight what we talked about last week, if you weren't here, Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. See, the law really brings death. But faith in Christ ushers us into our promised land. So even here, God is showing us the law isn't good enough. The law won't lead us to the promised land. Now, of course, the Israelites enter into the promised land and they observe the law, but only because Jesus hadn't yet come. However, the symbolism still remains for us. This whole event is a foreshadowing of the future, which is very important for us to know, okay, that we need Jesus to lead us into heaven. Really, there's a, the main point of all of that is to help us understand we need Jesus to lead us into heaven. Since Moses was forbidden to lead the Israelites into the promised land, you know who did? Let's have a little Bible trivia. Who, who was the one assigned to lead them into the promised land? L train. Come on, girl. All right. Who, who knows? Uh, Brandy, what? Who? Joshua. Okay. If I had a present, I would give it to you. Uh, you get a sticker on your way out. Okay. So make sure you grab one of those. All right. They're free for everyone. But Brandy, you get first dibs. Okay. Joshua is the one who led God's people into the promised land. Joshua, his name in Hebrew, do you know what it is? Yehoshua. It means the Lord saves. Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. It means the Lord saves. Joshua led God's people into the promised land. Who leads us into our promised land? What's his name? Jesus. You know what his name in Hebrew is? Yeshua, which is a contracted version of Yehoshua, which means the Lord saves. Joshua is Jesus. Jesus is Joshua in Hebrew. It's the same. So just to bring us a little more clarity, Jesus one time said this. Let me give a little background. John 7, 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and he shouted to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Why? Because he's the rock. He is the rock. So do you think God knew what he was doing in this whole Moses story? It takes something that was once kind of cringeworthy, not kind of, it was cringeworthy for me into something very beautiful. Because God knew 
the whole story. God knew the purpose. God knew ultimately there would be a better way than through Moses. Salvation was never going to come from obeying the law. Salvation comes through a faith in the new Joshua, in Jesus. He is the one who enters or leads us into an entrance into the promised land. Now Moses, he got to see the promised land, but he didn't get to go into it. As a leader, sometimes you make sacrifices. And as a leader, there's a great responsibility to being a leader. But God used this story to set up a greater story that we have a rock that provides living water. That's crazy to me. John 4, 14, Jesus said, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And that's why Jesus would talk about being the bread of life, because he would point to him being that manna that was provided. And that's why Jesus says, come to me and get a drink, because he's all pointing to the rock, that I have eternal life to give you through the water that I have to give you. And so now this passage is less cringy and more pretty. To understand what the Lord was doing. God has given us a fountain that leads to eternal life. And so today, if you're thirsty, go to Jesus for a drink. Go to him. Drink from his grace. Drink from his spirit. It truly is the only way to have your thirst quenched. you got to go to the right rock. And thankfully, we have access now to Jesus. And so I'm encouraging you today to go to the right rock. Now, if you're a leader, listen, we need to be obedient to God. But there's grace there for all of us. There's grace that has been provided through Jesus Christ. But today I want to encourage you. He says, hey, if anyone's thirsty, come on. Come to me. I'm available. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary, tired, heavy laden, burdened down. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And so today, the same invitation is, hey, you thirsty? Come on. You, you, you heavy, you burdened down. Life's got you. Listen, come to me. I am the rock. I am here for you. Father, I pray for us to hold on to that. To know one, that the thirst that we have can truly only be satisfied in you. We try to quench it in other ways sometimes, even like our own self-righteousness. Sometimes it's like wild living, and then sometimes it's our own good deeds. That, none of that will work. It's just the grace of Jesus. And when Jesus said that the, that the living water will be the spirit poured out on us, Lord, please pour out your spirit upon every one of us. Every person in this room online that considers and counts themselves a believer that have put their faith and trust in you, fill us with your spirit. Head to toe. We want to drink from the fountain. We want the living water flowing in us and through us to a world that is dying of thirst. May we have cups of water every day that we're dispensing to those in need. May we not hoard our water May we be a river of blessing to those around us. Thank you for the rock. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our salvation. We praise you, God, for, for your story and how you made this all work. We, we thank you for Moses and his faithfulness and his ministry. 
But Lord, we are so grateful knowing that the law can't save us that you sent your son to die for us. You made a way when there was no way. And so we put our faith and trust in you and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.